Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What the people in this country want to say here is slow politics. Hello and welcome to Slow Politics from Tortoise. I'm Matt Dancona. And I'm Lara Spirit. In this series, we're digging deep into the world of politics, but in a distinctive tortoise style. In each episode, we'll tell you about one issue, story or person driving the agenda of Westminster politics. We'll be trying to uncover the deeper forces at work and tell you the inside story on the people who, often behind the scenes, make things happen. Today we're going to talk about electoral packs and tactical voting. This all starts with the two knights, Sir Keir Starmer and Sir Ed Davey, leaders of Labour and the Lib Dems. The former Labour strategist John McTurnan was in our newsroom recently and said this. Political parties get frustrated because voters aren't blocks. The real reason why, why Keir is quite right to say there's no electoral pact going to happen is that nobody wants to be told, you live in Cornwall, you're voting Liberal Democrat, because I had a meeting with Sir Ed Davey. The two knights get together in private and decide who you're voting for. So I think the point John McTernan was trying to make is a really important one, and it's one that's central to our politics, if not uh, discussed that much, which is that, in a way, the central fact of this parliament is that um, Keir Starmer needs to win 125 seats just to get to a majority of one in the next general election, which is, to say the least, a challenge. And so, short of Labour having you know, a swing unlike almost any other in modern times, Labour is obviously thinking about whether other parties can play a part in getting rid of the Tories. And that's natural. But as, as John said in our thinking, there's a problem associated with party leaders appearing to, you know, sit in smoke-filled rooms, to use the old cliche, and you come up with a pact uh, for elections or any other purpose behind the electorate's back. And so there's that problem. But it is a live issue because we've just been through the local elections in which the Lib Dems did very well. They're back as a force. They won 200 seats. They're winning control of significant councils like um, Wokingham. And this is playing into a broader conversation about whether there is sense in in, in some sort of non-aggression understanding between Labour and the Lib Dems. And obviously, um, that's very live in view of the upcoming two by-elections. Yep. So there are these two by-elections now scheduled probably for the 23rd of June, one in Tiverton and Honiton and one in Wakefield. And what we're seeing is interestingly, like you say, because they're on the, the same day, indication that there really is some sort of understanding between the two parties of where they should be focusing their resources. And there's obviously this kind of sliding scale of, of a kind of explicit pact between parties, which is what 
John McTernan was speaking about in our newsroom recently, um, all the way to what may be a completely uncommunicated decision between two parties to potentially focus resources more strategically in one seat compared to another, for example. And Tiverton and Honiton is being tipped as a seat, which even though it would be a massive win for it to happen, uh, given what happened in North Shropshire uh, with the Lib Dems last, late last year, it's a seat that the Lib Dems probably could win if they focus their energies really sufficiently and if Labour choose not to focus their resources there, which we're seeing indications they may not. And then Ed Davey has commented on this, that it doesn't really make sense for them to be focusing their resources in Wakefield, seeing as that could be a seat that Labour would win. But there's no point really in the two parties focusing on both of them. And I think given that they're sort of symbolically on the same day, and it will actually be six years exactly to the day of the Brexit referendum, um, I think we might actually be seeing, like you say, the evidence that there is real coordination uh, between these parties. So the, the scale of the challenge is not the same in the two seats, is it? Um, Tiverton is overturning, what, uh, 24,000 Tory majority? majority. And in Wakefield, it's overturning, I think, 3,500. So these are different forms of campaign, aren't they? Mm, But, I mean, Owen Patterson's seat in North Shropshire, that was a 23,000 seat majority, which the Lib Dems were able to overturn. I think what you're seeing from Ed Davey recently in his rhetoric is, is a level of actual bullishness and confidence that even though this would be a massive win, it is really a possible one but something that he has rightly acknowledged I think is that it is not a possible one if Labour choose to campaign for it right? I'm very interested in why the Lib Dems are back (laughs) Um, because they've had a really bad time more or less continuously since 2015 when they paid the price for being in coalition with the Conservatives um, and they've gone through a series of leaders and Ed Davey who was in fact a member of the coalition cabinet for several years um, seems to have brought the party back to its mojo and I suspect that's got something to do with the fresh appeal of the Lib Dems in what the Lib Dems are calling the blue wall. Uh, mm. the, the southern seats, a little bit more liberal, middle class, that are feeling a bit nervous about the, the, the sort of rougher-edged, Brexity Boris Johnson to Conservative Party. I think you're right. The interesting thing with the Lib Dems seemingly detoxified now is that I do think there's an awareness from Ed Davey that a lot of that value there does come from negative partisanship and the opportunity to paint himself specifically in opposition to Boris Johnson. So in his comments about Tiverton and Honiton, he says, we're becoming an anti-Tory campaigning machine, for example. And that's the kind of idea and the basis behind what is seeming to be some sort of coordination between Labour and the Lib Dems um, in upcoming elections, which is different to what we may have seen before, where the two parties might have looked like they've coordinated on issues of policy for example, so in the talks leading up to the 97 election. That's not the case here. And it seems very much to be a campaign which is not necessarily grounded in ideological similarities, although you can make the case that the two parties have perhaps moved slightly closer together since, you know, a few years ago, since 2019 even. Uh, But even so, I think that this is quite a remarkable example of how just one figure, especially in, in Boris Johnson, his conduct recently has been able to unify these two parties around the idea that they should be should be fighting these elections where they can where they can win them which of course is as you've mentioned really not an uncontroversial idea it can be extremely unpopular with party bases you know many activists spend their lives handing out leaflets for their party the idea that they would without knowing uh, be sort of stitched up by party leaders who hadn't consulted them so that a kind of seeming you know quote unquote progressive candidate from another tribe can win a seat there it's a it's a real risk for parties to do but like you said in in reporting especially in in the FT it, it seems like it's something that the the two leaders are taking very seriously 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's interesting how rare the electoral pact is in this country, actually, mm. the formal electoral pact. I mean, you have to go back to 1918 when there was the so-called coupon election and Lloyd George handed out coupons mm. to candidates who were approved of by his um, coalition uh, with resounding success. But that's very unusual. Um, and uh, there were people after the 2010 election in the Tory side who wanted the 2015 election to be a, a coupon election. But of course, Europe derailed that completely. But actually, very, it's very rare that you have an explicit pact. And I think there's a reason for that, which is that the British public don't like being steered into voting for a party that they wouldn't normally vote for. However, obviously, they can be um, guided towards what tactical voting will do in order to get rid of the Tories, if indeed that's what they want to do. So there's a very delicate balance to this. You know, the the, 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 the two knights can discuss this all they want. But, you know, the first rule of nightclub is you do not talk about nightclub. You can, yeah. You cannot talk about it in any explicit way mm. otherwise people feel that they're being manipulated and also it's a big problem for the for the major party of the, the senior party of the two parties involved in this case labor because it makes them look weak if they're explicitly and openly and publicly looking for the assistance mm. of another party in order to get into power and one thinks back to 1992 when neil kinnock started to float the idea of bringing liberal liberal democrats onto his mm. discussions about proportional representation and that was it, taken immediately as a sign that labor didn't think it was going to get a majority in 1992 the tories leapt on it and Kinnick did indeed go on to lose for for that and many other reasons so i think that there's a real there's a real uh, problem and challenge here for both starmer and davy um in how precisely to word this when asked about it i think you're right and you will remember the tweet from Oliver Dowden, the Tory party chairman before the local elections, which tried to draw attention to the fact that there were seemingly fewer seats being contested by both parties as there were in 2018. And it fell quite flat, if you remember, as a criticism compared to when it's been done successfully before. So obviously in 2015, there was that famous and very successful uh, image in a campaign of Ed Miliband in the pocket of Alex Salmond, uh, which was an appeal to English voters who uh, the Tory party rightly calculated wouldn't be happy with the idea that there'd be a huge influence of Alex Salmond, the SNP leader in uh, Westminster politics. It does take a huge amount of skill and, and sort of political agility to be able to land these co these coordination efforts effectively if you think back to 97 it only really worked because 
Ashdown and Blair had had a good relationship, but it was extremely secretive. And the question of the fact that more people were tactically voting in that election definitely came about in part because those parties were coordinating more. I mean, you look at the senior whips of both parties who had a kind of doctrine of no surprises, this idea that, that there was there was very secretive coordination and that they weren't going to be attacking each other in that way. But everybody was very nervous about that. And it worked then. But I, I do think these things can go can go wrong and can go wrong very publicly if people get wind of that. So while Oliver Dowden's attack didn't land quite so well this time round, I don't think you can rule out CCHQ not getting a, a really good handle on this before the next election if anything seems to seep out about them coordinating more efficiently and kind of explicitly. I think I think what's interesting is that we're starting to get a sense of the the shape, if you like, the lineaments of the shape of the next election. And it looks to me like it's going to be a change or more of the same election. Or rather, that's a, certainly how Starmer and Davy would like to frame it. I'm sure Boris Johnson will frame it in terms of, uh, you know, best for Britain, building back better, levelling up, getting Brexit still done, and so on. Um, but if you're going to fight on a change ticket, you have to do so plausibly. And it's pretty implausible that Keir Starmer is going to win 125 seats, and so this this is a this is a real um, a, a real problem of, of psychological plausibility, if you like. But I do think that we are starting to see detail appearing in the terrain ahead of us about how the election is going to be fought. This is, you know, every day I see fresh evidence of the fact that we're already fighting the next general election campaign. Okay, and if that's true, then. I suppose you want to think about what the Tories' plan is for attacking Ed Davey if we accept that they could be a more potent force in the next election. I'm not sure what that is, given we're not entirely sure what the Lib Dem platform is anyway. But I would also say that though we it's become quite fashionable to talk about the importance of the blue wall, the next election will be won or lost in the red wall, right? And so the extent to which Keir Starmer is able to reclaim ground in those seats will come to be, in my opinion, like the most decisive factor as to whether or not he's able to get the keys to Downing Street in the next election. And, and in that equation, it's not entirely clear that attacking a Davy is going to be particularly high on his list. So clearly the two knights still have a huge mountain to climb. Um, and I think we can conclude that they they can't really do it together um, <laughs> even if they are in some sort of very very um, um, clandestine contact because this is a, going to be a very bitterly fought grassroots campaign and their, and their parties uh, will not want to be involved in anything like um, a semi-public agreement with, with, with each other it's going to be a very rough campaign I think that's it from us Thank you for listening to Slow Politics. You've been listening to me, Lara Spirit. And me, Matt Dancona. The producer is Amelia Jansen. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more about British politics, why not become a member of Tortoise, where you can read Matt's weekly column, looking at the biggest issues in British and global politics, and get access to more stories from our team of journalists. Just go to tortoisemedia.com slash friend and enter Lara50 or Matt50 to get a year's membership for £50. Mm-hmm.